It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Locked On Jazz for the 4th of January. Does it look like it's down to nine? Explain that, plus a look at points gained on a Friday and some of the reality that comes with it. It's all coming up on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. Pow! How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA Insider. This is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and a look at the Utah Jazz each and every single day. You can get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or if you got one of those brand new smart speakers for Christmas, you can tell your smart speaker to play podcast Locked on Jazz. Happy Friday to you. Uh, we are in Cleveland. Had a wonderful dinner last night at a place called Lola. Um, went by myself. Bumped into two nice people, chatted with them for much of the evening. Just kind of a good reminder of how positive and fun uh, people can be if you get a chance to meet them in the in a world that's got news stories that make you feel otherwise. Uh, fun little one yesterday. Uh, Donovan Mitchell going through the Canadian airport wearing his Wayne Gretzky jersey, which I admire. Donovan was saying that the two people that he kind of most wished he got to see in his life were Gretzky and Jordan. Think about Donovan's born in 96, I think. So he did not see either of them. I was able to tell him about the story. I was in college and decided that I had to go see, you know, Donovan. Didn't have any money because we're in college. And I'm in L.A. And we go to uh, see a Kings game. And actually, if I remember correctly, um, I actually think I was up high enough with no one around us. I was practicing calling it. Not that I ever thought I was going to call hockey. Later, did little did I know that one day I would. Um, and Gretzky took a slap shot and went off the skate of the guy in front of him, popped up into midair. He took it out of the middle of the air like a baseball and put it in the back of the net. It was pretty incredibly awesome. Um, so I got to share that story with, with Donovan as we wandered through the Canadian airport. Uh, great games last night. Toronto got blasted without Kyle Lowry. Uh, in San Antonio with all sorts of hoopla. And then Denver really showed their grit with a good win against the Kings, who don't know how to play late yet. And then the late game on the East Coast was super late. Overtime, Rockets now up to the fourth seed and look great. And that's where I start the show. It feels to me, honestly, if I wasn't a Jazz fan, and wasn't with the Jazz, it feels to me like we're down to nine if I include Utah. Denver, Oklahoma City, Golden State, Houston feel pretty solid. Houston's won nine of ten. All they had to do was get Chris Paul hurt, and they're fine. I don't know how long James Harden can maintain this, but they've won six straight, and clearly James Harden is one of the truly great players in the world and is able to just carry his team. What he's doing is astronomical. We'll see it in points gained, I'm sure. Portland is 22-16. and 16. They don't look good against us, but they're just solid. 
Clippers are 21 and 16. Spurs are 22 and 17. And really, the Spurs have been the best team in the league for a while. And the Lakers have LeBron. There's your eight playoff teams. It feels as though Sacramento's suddenly not able to defend. Memphis has lost eight of 10. Dallas has lost seven of 10 and is three and 16 on the road. Minnesota has lost six of 10, is five of 15 on the road. Maybe if they get Robert Covington back, they can make a run, but they're four games below. And the Pelicans, again, not healthy, but four and 16 on the road are 17 and 22. It's beginning to me to feel like the eight playoff teams are there, and then there's just a question of whether or not the Utah Jazz are making their run. So it's kind of down to nine. And if you take road wins minus home losses, Kings are at zero, Grizzlies are at zero, Dallas is at zero, Um. Minnesota's at minus one. Pelicans are at minus two. Jazz are at plus two road wins minus home losses. So that's a little bit of why you look at the Jazz, but they're only eight and eight at home. Denver's plus seven. Thunder plus seven. Warriors are plus four. Rockets are plus four. Blazers plus two. Clippers plus three. Spurs plus one. Lakers plus one, Jazz plus two. So it be it for all of everything that's gone on, it is to me beginning to feel like it's down to nine. And the question is whether or not we can start winning. And the schedule does it for us. Here we go. It starts tonight. We're playing teams that aren't very good. Finally. This to me has been the biggest aspect of this schedule is the road weariness has been real the amount of one-off home games was real not playing bad teams Cleveland's minus 10 differential haven't played them Chicago's minus 9 differential haven't played them Phoenix minus 8 differential haven't played them Atlanta minus 7 differential haven't played them Knicks minus 7 differential have won against them The Wizards are minus four differential. Haven't played them. Orlando's minus three differential. Played them once in Mexico City. Detroit's minus two differential. Haven't played them. That's 16 of our remaining games are against the eight teams that have a differential of two or more. And frankly... That's what's going to define whether we're in that group or not. We've got to go 14-2 and two probably against that group. And then you have a remaining 18 games that you probably have to go 12-6 and six against. Is that right? Do I come up with enough wins? I'm not sure I came up with enough wins. If we go 12 and 6 against that, then we're at 44 and I have something wrong with my math. We have to go 14 and 2 gets us to 32 and 22. 
And then we have a remaining, oh, 28 games against those other teams. And in the remaining 28 games, we probably have to go 16 and 12. That gets us to 48, and that gets us in. But that's that's the equation here. Of these 16 games, we got to go 14 and 2, and then go 16 and 12 in the other games. And that's where we stand. It all starts now. All the schedule talk, all the other stuff goes out the window starting tonight. Cleveland, Detroit, two you got to win. Milwaukee, probably not. Home against Orlando, got to get. Home against the Lakers is not in that group, but you got to get it. Home against the Bulls, you got to get. Home against the Pistons. We've got to suddenly have won six of seven heading to L.A. to play the Clippers on January 16th. It's now. All the other talk goes away. Guys have got to get hot. Guys are really cold. Guys have got to get hot. Defense has got to click in. Then play the Clippers. You have Cleveland, Portland, Denver, Minnesota at home. Hopefully you're feeling good about yourself. Maybe you go steal that Clipper game. You suddenly won 7-8. Now you're rolling. This is the time. Then you got a Minnesota-Portland on the road, which actually we come home in between before coming home for Atlanta, Houston, Phoenix, San Antonio at home. Got This is it. All the talk, all the other stuff, all the wondering, all the bitching and complaining by fans who didn't want to listen to the schedule and tell me I'm just a homer. Yeah, I took it personally. All that, irrelevant now. Because now you just have to win. No more excuses or talk or whatever you want to call it. That's that's where we are right now. Locked on NBA net on Twitter is a collection of all 30 NBA experts on the Locked On Podcast Network for you in one spot. Make sure you subscribe to Locked On NBA Net on Twitter. It's also available on Instagram. Life is complicated, especially right now. You're spending more time inside, unable to go to restaurants, and that means you're cooking dinner. But if you're like me, I hate cooking. Multiple trips to the grocery store, hours of monotonous meal prep just so you can scarf down your food in minutes. So when it's dinner time, I grab my phone, open up an app, and order something. But after convenience fees, delivery fees, and who knows whatever other fees, it ends up being close to $100 for two people. But then I met Freshly. Just put up your feet and relax while Freshly chefs and nutritionists do all the hard work. All you do is heat for three minutes and dinner's done. Imagine a better for you golden oven fried chicken, steak peppercorn with sauteed carrots and French green beans, and my personal favorite, buffalo chicken with loaded mashed cauliflower. It's got fewer carbs. That's just a few of the 30-plus health-conscious options to choose from. Freshly understands that food needs to be delicious, healthy, and simple, because let's be honest here, if it's not easy, I'm not going to do it, and if it doesn't taste good, I don't want to eat it. Freshly is offering our listeners $40 off, $40 off for their first two orders at Freshly.com slash LockedOnNBA. That's Freshly.com slash LockedOnNBA. 
Hi, this is Nate Duncan from Locked On's Hollinger and Duncan podcast. Those of you who listen to our show know that I try to take a measured approach. I'm not prone to hyperbole. It really takes something special to get me excited. But with all that said, Theragun is simply one of the best products that I have ever used. I just turned 40. I've always loved to work out, to play basketball when it's safe. And as I got into my 30s, it just wasn't possible to do that anymore the way I wanted to because my body didn't feel right. And Theragun has helped me fix so many of the aches and pains. I've tried everything, massages, chiropractors, this at-home device, handheld percussive therapy has worked better than any of those for me. And now... Now, the all-new Gen 4 Theragun has a proprietary brushless motor. It's so quiet. It's no louder than an electric toothbrush. And best of all, you can try Theragun risk-free for 30 days. There's no substitute for the Theragun Gen 4 with an OLED screen, personalized Theragun app, and the quiet and power you need. Starts at only $199. Go to theragun.com slash locked on, the name of this network, right now, and get your Gen 4 Theragun today. That's theragun.com slash locked on. Theragun dot com slash locked on all right let's do points gained early because i think it'll walk us into a few things today if you're new to points gained it used to be pack points gained is the offensive metric we use to judge players on this show it's all based on how you perform compared to the average player in the nba the overall roster building premise is that if you could put a team together of all players that are above average or even just slightly above average, you'll have great success. If you obviously have a star, that makes it even better and surround him with average players. Uh, it's hard to be average. You take the 20 scoring opportunities a player has and compare them to what the average player would do with those 20 or if you dispersed them amongst average players. That's the premise of the whole thing. Um True shooting percentage and effective field goal percentage are up slightly this year, by the way. So overall efficiency is up on average. Uh, To give you a little bit more background, we usually have over the years, if you kind of look at the history of points gained, the best player in the league is usually around four. Steph Curry last year was 4.7. Then there's two or three players that are over three and about 10 players that are over 10. In 16-17, Kevin Durant was the best at 3.8. Isaiah Thomas was at 3, and then there were about 12 players. So about 13 players or so that kind of above 2 on the list. Um, right now, we've hit the halfway point of the season or close to it with 35, 6 games, and it's beginning to show that. So Steph Curry is number 1 in the league at 4.4 points gained. James Harden has moved to number two at 3.6. Meaning in a given night, James Harden scores 3.6 more points than an average player does based on his 27 scoring opportunities a game. So it gives you, if you're above average, you get credit for the fact that you can get shots off. Giannis Adetokounmpo is third. Kevin Durant is fourth. Those guys are all over three. Those are the four most impactful offensive players in the league. Rudy Gobert is fifth at 2.6. 11 scoring opportunities a game, plus 2.6. It's incredible. Demota Sabonis is seventh. Maybe the most unsung player of the NBA this year, Danilo Gallinari, 
is eighth. That's how the Clippers are surviving. As is Montrell's Harrell at nine. Another one that probably is not getting the credit. Clint Capella, 10. Kawhi Leonard, 11. Indiana's Bojan Bonjanovic. Bojan Bonjanovic probably deserves more credit. We talked about Sam Amick yesterday and I on Locked On NBA kind of just took side glance at how the heck is Indiana this good? Well, there's your answer. Pascal Siakam at 2.1. Brooklyn's Joe Harris shooting 50% from the field, 49% from three, and 83% from the free throw line. And Atlanta's got a star in John Collins. At 2.0, LeBron James at 2.0, and DeAndre Ayton as a rookie at 2.0. Few more guys than usual, and... Rim rollers. It's important to have rim rollers. Clint Capella, Rudy Gobert, those guys matter. Marcus Morris for Boston is in the next tier. DeAndre Jordan in Dallas. Thomas Bryant playing well for Washington. Tobias Harris for the Clippers. You know, and you suddenly look at a team like the Clippers. Well, how are the Clippers good? Well, they got Montres Harrell. They've got Danilo Gallinari, and they got Tobias Harris. All in the top 20 offensive efficiency. Sure, they're good. Portland's first entry is Dame Lillard at 1.7. Toronto struggling offensively without the rim rolling of Giannis Valanciunas. Anthony Davis is at 1.6. Notable name not in here this year is Carl Anthony Towns, who a year ago was the third-best offensive player in the league. Joel Embiid at 1.6. Julius Randle, 1.6. Davis Bertans in San Antonio, 1.6. Malcolm Brogdon, 1.5. This is where you get into some players who are probably a little better than people realize. Right? Davis Bertans is not probably getting the credit he deserves. Julius Randle's having a hell of a year. Free agent. They cannot afford everyone. Kyrie Irving, 1.4. Carl Anthony Towns, 1.4. It's a big dip for Cat. Derek Favors, 1.4, with only 8.8 scoring opportunities a game. The only player in this group, other than DeAndre Jordan, who is below 10 scoring opportunities a game. Denver's Juan Herman Gomez. Jared Allen in Brooklyn. Dwight Powell in Dallas. Spencer Dinwiddie in Brooklyn. Suddenly you see why Brooklyn's playing well. DJ Augustine in Orlando having a really good year. Good for him. JaVel McGee, Damon Jones, Nikola Vukovic, TJ Warren, JJ Redick, Jeff Green, Paul George. It's interesting. For all I blow up Paul George, not as efficient as I would have thought. Only taking 33% of his shots as threes. Still goes line. I don't know why. Bielitsa 1.1, Blake Griffin 1.0, Steven Adams 1.0, Jeremy Grant 1.0, Ben Simmons, positive player, 1.0. Buddy Heald 1.0, he's good last night. Never goes to the line, 5% of his possessions to the line. Jaron Jackson Jr. 1.0 is incredible. Those are all the players that are 1.0 or more. Here are the offensive players that are causing 
the biggest negative. And realize all those players I just listed are 1.0. So if someone is negative more than one, they are having an impact that is negating that whole performance. Russell Westbrook is minus 3.5 offensively. It's killing OKC and somehow they're all right. Uh, Brandon Knight's not playing much. Donovan Mitchell, for guys that actually play, is the second most negative points game player in the NBA right now. Minus 2.4. Let's dig into this for a second. So, how, like, concerned should we be? What should our thoughts be on this? One is, it's been 32 games. It's a pretty significant sample size. Um, his shot distribution, because he's not making his three, is down to 29% of his shots as threes and only 7% of his shots at the line. That's not great. Um, there's, this should op- open an eye a little bit. Like, we should, this, you should hear this. Um, in a few ways. One is on the whole previous conversation of, you know, are we one of nine? Hard for us to be good enough offensively with Donovan at minus 2.4. Like, that's a little bit of a different step than last year. That's, I mean, he was not particularly efficient last year, but this is different. Second thing I would say is, uh, in contrast, by the way, Donovan last year was a minus point six, so it's a big drop. Uh, I I would be more concerned long term if I didn't know Donovan and who Donovan is, and what his makeup is as a person, his desire. But if I'm just analyzing this from a numbers standpoint. We're getting close to this having been now a third of his career. And that should be a little, just purely numbers, no emotion, no understanding of who Donovan is, no understanding of the workload he's got, no understanding of the fact he doesn't have teammates, just pure number, teammates that can help him carry the load he has teammates. But there, there is... That is, that is, this is pretty, negative 2.4 is a big deal. And it's now half your career. Okay? Andrew Wiggins, minus 2.1. Similar shot distribution in some ways to Donovan. Donovan's taking 30% of his shots as three. Andrew Wiggins is at 26. Donovan goes to the line 7% of the time. 7.6. Andrew goes 9.4. Kevin Knox, minus 2.0. Colin Sexton, minus 2.0. Trey Young, minus 2.0. Josh Jackson, minus 2.0. Now, other than Russell Westbrook and Andrew Wiggins, those are all first or second year players. So maybe you feel a little bit better about it. But Donovan's numbers get very similar to Dennis Schroeder. Right? Who's capable of going off for 40, as he did against us, but is overall 
all not a very efficient player. He takes 23% of his shots as threes, 7% of his shots as free throws. Donovan's better than that. Shoots 41 and 32. Donovan is shooting 41 and 29. I mean, a little bit of our record, without trying to put too much heat on the kid, is if our primary offensive guy is the second least efficient player in the league and is not as good as he was last year, hard for the offense to be as good. And thus, the 22nd offensive ranking in the NBA right now. Other negative guys, Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, Eric Gordon in Houston, Jared Bayless, Avery Bradley, D'Angelo Russell, minus 1.7. I know. 4% free throw. I can't get over that. I can Everything else about him I can start to like. 4% of his shots at the free throw line. You cannot live that way. Avery Bradley's at 2%. Frank Nilakina, another guy at 4% of his shots at the free throw line, minus 1.7. Dwayne Wade, minus 1.6. Be interested to know if Miami got better playing Wade less recently. Mario Hazonia, minus 1.5, 6% free throw rate. You have to be such a great shooter to survive with a free throw rate that's low. Tyreek Evans, minus 1.5. Ish Smith, 1.4. Jamal Murray in Denver, who was unreal last night. Minus 1.4. Unreal. He has a bad shot distribution, though. CJ Miles, minus 1.4. Ricky Rubio, minus 1.4. Andre Drummond, minus 1.4. Lonzo Ball, minus 1.4. If everyone's going to criticize Lonzo Ball, Donovan's shooting numbers are not different. Trey Burke, minus 1.4. Justice Winslow, minus 1.4. Goran Dragic, minus 1.3. Seti Osman, who we'll see tonight, 1.3. Stanley Johnson, we'll see tomorrow, 1.3. Negative. Draymond Green, minus 1.2. He used to be a positive. Trey Lyles, minus 1.2. And John Wall is out, minus 1.1. It'll be interesting to see if they play better without John Wall again. He's not as negative this year as he was other years. Jeff Teague in Minnesota, Jabari Parker, Victor Oladipo this year in Indiana is a minus. It's interesting they won without him this year. All right, we'll look at the last 10-game stretch and dig more specifically into the Utah Jazz uh, as we continue. Remember, Locked on Fantasy Basketball with Josh Lloyd gives you a daily recap on all the games, plus a good look at your daily fantasy game. And Locked on NBA has fabulous shows for you each and every day along the network. The Locked On Podcast Network is home to the number one daily NBA podcast, Locked On NBA. No team that relies on any single player like the Rockets rely on Harden or have historically relied on Harden has ever had any kind of realistic title aspirations. They might already have a window closed on them before it's even actually opened in Orlando. It's just not realistic for a team to rely on a single player there and be able to win a championship. When you want the biggest stories and the best NBA talk before it's old news, listen to the Locked On NBA podcast every day, wherever you get your podcasts. The NBA restart has its first big injury. From our local experts to your ears, these are the biggest stories on the Locked On Podcast Network. Orlando Magic forward Jonathan Isaac suffered a torn ACL in his left knee on Sunday. Listen to Locked On Magic for where Isaac and Orlando goes from here. To the ice. The qualifying series in the NHL are on, and the Minnesota Wild began with a 3-0 win over the Canucks. 
Joe Bully and Tony Abbott of Locked On Wild have a victory recap, and the Locked On NHL podcast has Western Conference playoff predictions. And finally, as college football conferences around the country try to figure out how they are going to restart, a group of Pac-12 players is demanding safety protocols and threatening to opt out of the season. I would point you to Locked On Big Ten podcast and a very interesting discussion on creative solutions to solve college football's mounting problems. Local experts on the biggest stories, it's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, last 10 games. James Harden is 5.5 hottest player in the league. Danilo Gallinari, 4.2. Giannis, 4.1. And DeAndre Ayton, 4.0. Joe Harris, then Joel Embiid, then Kawhi Leonard, then Thomas Bryant in Washington. LaMarcus Aldridge, Dame Lillard, Kevin Durant, DJ Augustine. Paul George, 2.9. Nikola Jokic is up here at 2.7. Lou Williams has not played much recently. Dennis Smith of Dallas is positive the last 10 games. Keep an eye on that. Maybe it's clicked in. Bottom 10 offensive players. Russell Westbrook recently a minus 5.7. Wow, that is terrible. Colin Sexton minus 5. Alonzo Trier minus 4.9. Donovan Mitchell, minus 4.4. Dennis Schroeder, minus 3.7. Ursan Elisova in Milwaukee, minus 3. Jamal Crawford, minus 3. Trey Burke, minus 2.8. Clay Thompson, minus 2.8. And Paul Millsap, minus 2.6 in his brief return. And that's basically the rundown. Let's take a look at the Jazz overall. Kind of already done it, as we saw a bunch of our guys. But the Donovan thing's interesting. At some point, I think you have to take the analysis point when we hit, you know, there's two parts of the analysis you have to take on Donovan right now. One is you have to understand the load that he's being asked to carry and how massive that is. And then the next thing you've got to be really honest about is in about six games, we hit that he's now played half a third of his career. And that doesn't mean that he doesn't continue to grow, but then that you can't take this stretch of struggling shooting not being as dynamic as he was a year ago and just throw it away. The other one that's interesting on Donovan is he just crossed over 753s, which is Nylon Calculus's analysis that that's the number where you know what your next 753s are going to be. And in his first 753s, Donovan shot 32.6%, 780 right now. What, what Nylon Calculus would tell you is that you now have a baseline at 753s of what kind of three-point shooter he is. And that your expectation for the next 753s should be 32.6. And if it's higher, then that's his new level. But you need groups of 750 to see whether someone's really changed his three-point shooter. 
Here's your Jazz numbers. Rudy Gobert's 2.6. Derek Favors is 1.4. Favors gets interesting. You know, everyone talks about moving Favors because the roster doesn't really fit and all this and all that. But, like, he's 1.4. Someone's got to take those nine possessions and be crazy efficient with those nine scoring opportunities he uses. Kyle Korver's 0.7. You know, the jump from Alec Burks at minus, I think, 0.4 last or something of the sort to Kyle Korver, 0.7 is a big deal. Howell Neto is 0.5. I always think it's interesting. I, I just think Howell Neto might be a little bit. I know he's too undersized and we see him get beat and all those kind of things. I just think he's a little better than we, than he gets credit for. I, lo- I love slightly above average players. Tabo Cephalosha is doing a great job as at point four. George Niang at point three. Jay Crowder is now positive. Royce O'Neal. Joe Ingles is even. A year ago, Joe Ingles was 1.2. Again, 6% free throw rate if you're not shooting the ball out of the gym. It's hard. And Joe's down to 37% three-point shooter. He's now an average offensive player. So really... All these cops are right off Joe Ingles. Dante's a minus .4. Ricky Rubio's a minus 1.4. And Donovan's a minus 2.4. It's interesting how close we are to actually having no dominant offensive player but just getting averaged with, you know, Ricky. Ricky's minus 1.4 is problematic. Last year was minus .6. Minus .5. There's, I mean, listen to this. Rubio goes from minus 0.5 to minus 1.4. Donovan goes from minus 0.6 to minus 2.4. Ingles goes from 1.2 to even. Those are big drops. Right? We opened the show up. I ran through the 10, about the 20 some odd guys that were one or better. There aren't many of them. And here we're talking about Rubio taking a point drop. Donovan taking a point and a half drop. Almost two. Ingles taking a point and a half drop. Those are big. Jay Crowder's gone from minus 0.6 to positive 0.2. Rudy Gobert's gone from 2.1 to 2.6. And Favors is up from 0.8 to 1.4. I don't know how we stabilize Ricky and stabilize Donovan, and I don't know how you move those possessions around. I mean, the problem is if Donovan's not using... 20 scoring opportunities tonight, try to get his numbers better. Who's using them? The other night, Ricky took a bunch of shots, and I was beside myself as a fan. And then I stopped and was like, well, who else takes them? Who else takes them? Ricky and Donovan's true shooting percentage are the exact same. Their effective field goal percentage is within one percentage of each other. Last 10 games, we have even more severe on those three guards. Jay's been great, 2.2, carrying us. Rudy's been great, 2.3. Favors, 1.5. Rudy is really maybe a top 10 player in the league who's carrying this entire team right now to a virtual 500 record. Exum's been .3. So as great as Dante's been, the lack of three-point shooting 
and only 17% of his shots as threes means that even playing at kind of his peak right now, he's a .3 positive, which is better than Ricky's minus 2.2 recently, no question, and Donovan minus 4.4. It's interesting. Is it a battle of nine, or are these offensive numbers so daunting that it's really only a battle of eight? Time will tell. Got to start winning now. That's your Friday edition of Locked on Jazz. Have a super day. Rejecting the screen has been retweeted by Kobe, Dame Lillard, and Vince Carter. So it's fair to say you should give it a shot. I'm Noah Kozlov. And I'm Adam Stanko. Rejecting the screen hits your feet every Tuesday and Thursday. On Tuesday, we talk hoops and a little bit of life. On Thursday, we go ISO with a guest. Stories from anyone and everyone who has touched the NBA with tales we promise you've never heard before. Find Rejecting the Screen right now wherever you get podcasts and hit that subscribe button.